This message comes from NPR sponsor Patreon, allowing creators to build real, sustainable income through the direct support of their fans. If you're a creator, sign up on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and start building the steady income stream you deserve. Malcolm Gladwell is one of the most well-known thinkers in the world, but he says a lot of his fans don't know that he's black. White people don't know. Black people always know. How do you feel about that? As a, I find as it a hilarious, writer. first of all. <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell on race, pop culture, and a whole lot more next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. You're connected to All Songs Considered. I'm Bob Boylan. Oh, no. What up, Bob? God, man. We're Hobo Johnson Lovemakers. We're a couple kids, five, I guess, that like to make a little bit of love, like to make a little bit of music. Look at that. That's a desk. Just kidding, Bob. It's a table. I don't care about rules. Hobo Johnson entered the Tiny Desk Contest in 2018, just like roughly 6,000 other artists did. Only his video went viral. There's been nearly 16 million views. Life has changed over the past few years for Frank Lopez Jr. He and his band, The Lovemakers, released their first major album, a far cry from the album Frank made in his car after being kicked out of his house. And the Hobo Johnson and the Lovemakers didn't win the Tiny Desk Contest. I did invite them to play a proper Tiny Desk. On the day before his album release, Hobo Johnson is at NPR West in Culver City, California, and I'm here in Washington, D.C. We talk about his new album called The Fall of Hobo Johnson, and I ask him to play music that inspires him. So on this edition of All Songs Considered, Hobo Johnson plays DJ. And just a note, when Frank sings... The words often violate FCC rules, but as we know, he doesn't care about rules. Do you know what today is? What's today? One year ago, this very day, we we put the Tiny Desk concert out there. Yep. Wow. One year. (laughs) That's awesome. I didn't know Exactly. September 12th. Uh, Anything happened since? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me a story, Frank. Uh, okay, so this one time I was doing this live performance, this guy gave me scones, It was they were really good. Did you actually eat one? Let, let's no, eat. I didn't eat any. <laughs> but so I knew they were good. Um, no, I was so nervous, that was the most nerve-wracking thing ever, so I, I don't think I could muster to swallow any, uh, any scones at the moment. <laughs> was it a blur? Do you remember, uh... Yeah, I remember like I remember the whole time I was like, why am I sweating so much? <laughs> <laughs> so you've put out this new record, The Fall of Hobo Johnson, and I want to play for people to give them an idea of what you're up to, uh, this song that leads off the record. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a typical story where the bassist kills the singer, the guitarist and the drummer find they're in love with each other. It's the story of the kid who clearly won't know what to say when the love of his life starts to calmly walk away. And it's the story of the dad who decides to chase his dream, he quits his job, he falls apart, and he loses everything. And it's the story of the kid who just wants to make a record, loves and crafts it, but nobody ever, ever cares about it. Whoa. Staying the same or worsening So what's the point of finding calm When calm to me is unsettling Settle down, little kid Your bones are shaking in your skin Go inside, take a breath Oh, nothing more, nothing less Typical story of 
Wow, you, you're such a lover of telling tales, whether they're real or not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where, where's that uh, from? Do you think you, you, you read a lot? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I not I even when I was. A, I thought you were in a Shakespeare. I don't no, know. <laughs> no way, dude. No, even when I was younger, I was just never one of those kids. I would like sit down and read a book. I just don't have. I guess the attention span for it. I wish I did. I, I'm trying to get better, and I think it's a lot of just training. But I don't know. I, I I think growing up, those are just the songs that I heard that told a story just interested me the most. And I just think it's a cooler, a cooler way, I guess, to write a song or a funner way to write a song, rather. Mm-hmm. And you want to play me something that in your life, because you're playing DJ today, you want to play me something in your life that's a story song that may have uh, captured your heart? Yeah, maybe I really got into Benjamin Clementine during the time of uh, writing my last album. And I listened to it, actually, I think from the same segment. He was doing something for NPR, and I, I got my first car, and I started listening to it. And then I heard it on here, and then I listened to his album. It was really a big like, inspiration for my last album. So it's a Benjamin Clementine song called Winston Churchill's Boy. affection had so much been given for so few attention never in the field of human affection had so much been given for so few attention Winston boy oh there he is packing quietly alone you could mistake a clock ticking forward cricket cricketing when you're round him but I swear nobody knows nobody knows what's on this boy's mind and nobody sees nobody sees what he's been picturing He is quite the storyteller. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing. That whole album is tremendous. He's a, a British singer right around... I don't know, maybe it was 2015, he won Mer- the Mercury Prize, one of those prizes that helps an artist just catapult their career. And there's a 
parallel in some small way between you and he, do you think? Uh, <laughs> he can sing really well and I can't. <clears throat> oh, yeah, but, that's uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can make noise in my mouth. I think that's probably about it. But uh, he was from, I think, a town north of London and then goes to Paris to uh, to street perform and, and get his music out. And then I think moves to London after that. But when I was hearing about this story and like got really into it, I was working... 40 hours a week in a warehouse and then going to school full time. And one day I just kind of realized that I just didn't really like that or enjoy that process of waking up every day. Mm-hmm. So I definitely used his story to like influence me. And I kind of did really similar thing in Sacramento where I would street perform like during the day and then go to open mics and sell albums. And my rent was like 300 bucks. So I made it for a while just doing that. So he was a big inspiration. Also homeless though. I mean, when he went to Paris, he was yeah. he he was homeless for a chunk of his teens, and that's true of you, yes. Uh, yeah, for definitely not for as long. I, right. I lived in my car, made like my first album that you can't really listen to. Um, but yeah, you're out of your house, not by choice, I assume. No, no, by choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yet you still you have this drive to make music. Had you made music before you left the house? What was yeah. Yeah, I've been making music uh, at that point for like three or four years. It started when I was 15. I think I was 19 or 20 at the time. How were you doing that, by the way? I mean, you had bandmates? Do you, did you do it alone? And on no, just me. Just me. I had, a, I had a laptop, and I would charge it at work or the library or wherever had power. And then I'd, that night I would go into my car and just kind of mess around on Ableton sample. It was pretty sample-based. Uh-huh. So I would just tweak stuff. That song by Benjamin Clementine is called Winston Churchill's Boy. Mm. Uh, why don't you play me something else uh, that that you love, story song-ish, maybe? Yeah, let's see. Story song-ish. I think another good one would be um, Nutrimilk Hotel. The album's really good. The whole album's kind of a story. And um, one of the songs at the end is a song I really like called Two-Headed Boy Part 2.
Here you're almost wanting to sing along all the way from the other coast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying. I'm trying to hold it back. That song's so good. That song is so good. In in terms of meaning to you, or or I mean, everybody has every different interpretation of every song imaginable. But for you, yeah. w- w- how old were you when you first heard it? And Dude, what a couple it? years ago, yeah, okay. twenty-two. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, it's uh, an album came out in 1998 by Neutral Milk Hotel called "In the Airplane Over the Sea." It's kind of like a story of Anne Frank or like an ode to Anne Frank. And that whole story is really inspiring to me. Like this guy, this band uh, makes one of the best albums of all time and then hasn't released anything since. What has it been like 20 years, you know? So um, unbelievable. They they did get together and do some concerts, which I yeah. got to see. I don't know if you got to see any of that. No, oh, no. It was really to. great, Frank. I'm sure, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was. But um uh, yeah. yeah, just so, and, and to me, it's like, that. that's so inspiring to uh, to just hear someone that is so talented and so, um, makes such a gr- great piece of art and then can just leave it, you know? Like, if it's not making them happy, there's someone who's willing to just walk away from it all, whether it's the fame or the money, and just live life because that's more important, you know? Yeah, that record uh, didn't, uh, didn't sell hardly at all when it first mm-hmm. came out and uh, right. fortunately later went on Jeff Magan uh, and company went on to, I think they've sold 250 or 300,000 copies of that record <laughs> yeah it's amazing quite remarkable and yeah um you know what today is Frank <laughs> <laughs> what's that dude <laughs> <laughs> today is also the day before your <laughs> full-length record comes it's a big day Woo, yeah I am excited I'm very excited what was the process like? I want to play some more from your record, but what was the process like recording this? I mean, you've done a um, an album in your car. You've done an album a little more proper than that that you released on your own, yeah? Yeah, in a garage. This okay. one was a little bit of both. I um, oh, was it? Yeah, a little bit of both. I definitely did some of the songs in my garage. I produced like a lot of them probably in my garage. I didn't produce all of it, but I definitely started almost everything. And then um, some songs I finished myself, but... Uh, I like wrote them actually a while even before we did the uh, the Peach Scone entry for mm-hmm. the uh, so that was 2018. Yeah, so it's been a, it's been a while. I've had them like in the bank, you know. So I just I finished some and wrote wrote some other ones and then finished it up this year in like proper studios and it was more producing. A lot of the vocal takes I kind of do on my own because it's a lot easier instead of having some guy looking at you when you're trying to get into a song you know that's funny because i was wondering about that I, you, it's so weird 
I hate it. I hate it. And every time we're in a studio, like it's like always that pressure where everyone at one moment will just look at you and be like, all right, go, uh, go lay some vocals. And then I'm looking around like, there's usually a big piece of glass and you look through the glass and there are people sitting down and they're staring at you. Yes. And judging (laughs) you. you. Yeah. Whatever. It's hard. It's hard. It's just a lot more pure when I make it on my own. So like no matter how long I do this for, I'll definitely be, uh, make it in my home i like that the fact that because this is warner brothers this isn't a small uh independent label big right? boys and yeah. uh, and they let you do that yeah yeah that's really uh <laughs> that's sick i like that yeah i, I like mean kind too. yeah thanks dude <laughs> um yeah going into it i definitely like made it a point to uh you know keep my let you be sauce you. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh i am gonna play how about uh, I do, I want a dog. Cool. All right. I really want a dog and a wife who loves to talk about the day that she had. I want a house that's on a street, that's on a hill in a community with other people just like me. I want a kid that plays guitar and he'd be a prodigy at the age of three but he'll just give me lessons when he's six i want my dog to fucking talk and tell me that she's very very proud of me and that i worked very very hard no i just want a dog i just want a dog i just want a dog 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 no i just want a dog i just want a dog i just want a dog a dog dog and i want my dog to be in films My son would also star in them. I would just direct and I'd produce. My wife would have a lot to do. Like talk to record label A&R's because she would be a famous singer too. I forgot to mention that my films would be great. You'd be amazed but also touched inside. You like the blind side, starring Sandra Bullock. I came here for the dream and I'll not leave without it. No, Frank, you just want a dog. 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 No, I thought you want a dog. All you want is a dog. All you want is a dog. Dog. And I want nothing but the best. Better than anyone has had yet. The wife, the kid, and the dog. I want my kid to change the world and my wife to cure disease. I want my dog to fucking talk and not only just to me. I want the life I've never had and I want only just to laugh and I want stimulation every second and a half. I want the world to fucking see that I am someone to respect even when I'm lying cold, cross-armed in a chest. You know, I really want a dog and a wife who loves to talk about the day that she had. I want a house that's on a street on a hill in a community with other people just like me I want the life I've never had I want only just to laugh and I want stimulation every second and a half I want the world to fucking see I am someone to respect even when I'm lying cold cross on in a chest no I just want I was only going to play some of it, but I couldn't stop. Yeah. How did this song come to be? Let's see. I was... That's something I've been dealing with a lot ever since... I don't know. I think it started when I started getting a fan base for some weird reason. I don't know where the correlation is. But um, I, I do this thing where I expect way too much out of life. And I <laughs> think that soon it's all going to be the greatest, coolest thing. Or like a, a, somehow I'm like striving for it. But... I don't know after I've kind of realized that like 
it's just never will ever be that you know does it need to be no no it it doesn't (laughs) at all but that's just my like uh, problem where i just um that just happens so exactly what you're saying like i'm trying to get um better at like just understanding that like everything's fine and everything's great the way it is or like at least being that mindset where i'm content with something like it's so easily get into the whole thing like oh i got a house okay now i want a house on the coast now i want a bigger house i want a house on a cliff that's, i want a house in the ocean yeah that's the illness you know? <laughs> i know and i suffer from that so um that song is basically me telling myself not to think like that in like some weird roundabout way mm-hmm. in some ways what you have right now and i don't i'm not walked into your place of living or any of that but just <sighs> just the little of i know i mean if you go from the place where you get tossed out of your home, and I, mm-hmm. this is from your dad, and then you wind mm-hmm. up in a place that's darker than that, living in his car, and then mm. you wind up having a fan base, and yeah. then you wind up 16 million people seeing you, and you wind up with a Warner Brother record nice. contract. <laughs> that's kind of like a crazy path, right? Yeah, and that's, that's a... F- and, and anyone on this planet, and you would, if you heard that story when you were 19, would say, well, yeah. that person ought to be just damn happy. I know. I <laughs> so, know. So, I know. So, it, for some reason, I, I don't know, I want to say it's the human brain, but it's definitely at least my brain. It's just this thing where it just never feels like enough. Yeah. You know, just the human um, human thing. But I'm getting better. I um, I bought a house. On the coast? Um, <laughs> no. Oh, Frank, you got to get another house. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, in Sacramento. Yeah. So I'm, I'm doing awesome. good. I just got carpet in yesterday. Whoo, feels good. <laughs> That's beautiful. Well, yeah. <laughs> Do you, and does your dad know what you've done? Yeah, my dad is super supportive. He's really proud. My dad's really proud of me, and so are both of my parents. But um, it kind of came out of nowhere, I think, for everyone in my life, mm-hmm. where... Everyone was like, oh, yeah, well, cool. Yeah, that's going to be fun. It's a good hobby to have, whatever. And then one day, just boom, NPR, blah, 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 this and that. So I I think they're all definitely surprised, but happy for me. Just judging from hearing the way you tell tales and stuff, I mean, that song about a dog is all, it tells about a father wants to be proud and wants his kid to be do something and wants to be part of that life and all that stuff and I don't think that stuff comes from nowhere and nope. I would think that your dad accepting you and your mom accepting you is probably a big deal. Yeah, huge deal. Huge deal. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's awesome and I think we all have like a better relationship now and we're all uh, doing good. That's beautiful. So, yeah. Let's take a break and you're listening to All Songs Considered from NPR Music. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Tito's Handmade Vodka. Born and bred in Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Music's just kind of part of our DNA, says Tito Beverage, founder and master distiller of Tito's Handmade Vodka. For recipes, videos, and more, visit them at titosvodka.com. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, fifth generation incorporated, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, crafted to be savored responsibly. Support also comes from CarMax. For more than 25 years, CarMax has made it easy to sell your car. They provide free appraisals and offers on the spot. CarMax will buy your car even if you don't buy theirs. In fact, CarMax has bought more than 8 million vehicles. To learn more and schedule your free appraisal, visit CarMax.com. It's All Songs Considered. I'm Bob Boylan. I'm here with Hobo Johnson. He's playing DJ. Play me a song. 
I feel like I also heard this from NPR, but there's an artist named Sunlux. Now it's a band, but at the time, I think it was just a single artist. Ryan Lott, a nice guy. I met him. Very sweet. He released his album called Lanterns, which um, I had a sticker of it on my Corolla that I lived in. And that was definitely like the record of that period in, of my life where I'd listen to that record like all the time when I was in my car. And mm. it was the one to... Uh, I don't know, to help me get through it, I think everyone kind of has those. So this is my favorite song on it and the song that I think helped me the most emotionally. It's called Lanterns Lit. Is it that refrain that is that hopefulness? At least that's yeah. how I hear it. I hear yeah. it. It's nothing but, oh, you know, everything that came before that with the, uh, you know, the the weight that would break uh, break your mind. I don't remember exactly the way. And the memory that rushes in and washes yeah. away. All those tears. And uh, and then that hope. Yeah, it's a, definitely, it's so that, yeah, the ending is just, it sounds... It's a big hopeful moment. Everything's gonna be okay. You know, it's really, uh, it's amazing. We'd asked one year Ryan Lott because he spends lots of time on 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 songs. And yeah. We asked him to write an album in a month for us. I remember that. You remember this? Yeah, oh, we were rising. Yeah. You want to tell the story? Go ahead. <laughs> uh, oh no, I mean you probably know it just well, but but there's this thing called the RPM challenge. Make an album in a month. I do it every year. I've done it for 13 really? years now. Yes, I've made 13 albums that way. <sighs> And uh, and we thought it would be cool to have somebody to document their process. And Ro- Robin Hilton is a big fan of Ryan's as well. He yeah. reached out to him, and and Ryan not only did he make a record, but he basically made this beautiful documentary in words. Because he he would 
every day he would just like dear diary kind of stuff type yeah. uh what he did and how he did it and it was extraordinary so you were aware of that yeah so i i right after lanterns i got super into all this stuff he has another piece called the breakthrough sessions which i th- think is really good and then that record called we are rising i believe right yeah and then the second record all the right things or the second song off the album all the right things is like one of my favorite songs during that whole time too is really good i think flickers too flickers is first i think i'm gonna play the song it's uh it's you and the cockroach and I, i've listened to this a few times but today in the car driving to work listening to it it just it makes me laugh so much but it's also kind of insightful in many crazy ways um i'm gonna play it's four minutes maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe i'll fade it out in the middle you can tell a little bit but i we do have to hear the ending we, okay. well, unless people want to go buy the record but nobody buys records anymore do they? oh i hope they do jeez <laughs> god they're gonna listen we know that <laughs> wait you're telling me no one buys records anymore oh, yeah. you know what today is frank today is the decade where nobody buys records anymore. oh There's no people. no one no. told me that <laughs> what am i doing what am i doing making music okay picture this there's this cold floating rock right and at the bottom of the rock there's this ocean at the bottom of the ocean there's these little teeny amoeba right and after millions of years these amoeba they start turning into fish and swimming around i don't know how it works but it does so these amoeba right, the amoeba fish are swimming around until one day one of these fish was like you know what I fucking hate the ocean. It sucks. It's cold. It's wet. I'm done. I'm done. So he grabs these fucking little things. They're called hands and feet. And he connects them to his body. And he crawls out of this ocean, right? And when he gets onto the bank, guess what he sees? He looks around. He sees a female fish. And she's beautiful. Oh, my God. Stunning. So they talk. They talk for a few days. And they start, you know, after a few days, they start mashing parts because that's what happens. Right? So they mash parts. And then all these babies get born. And after millions of years, these babies shed their scales, shed their fins until they start standing upright. And one day, they fucking, their brains get so big that they understand these really scary concepts and one of the concepts is that they're going to and what's scarier than knowing you're gonna die nothing to me so one day this guy's like you know what i'm gonna create something that makes me not afraid of dying right so he comes up with it and it's actually called this thing that you may know as it's called and this religion causes a bunch of Conflict, bang, bang, bang. That's literally what it sounds like. So with all of this, I understand they need some orders to create this thing called to keep each other in line. But guess what? It actually doesn't happen like that. Guess what it creates? It creates a bunch more. Oh my God. And out of all this conflict, arises a president. And this president is orange. He's got orange hair. It's parted to the side. It looks really dumb. He's chubby. And he's got little sausage fingers. They look like little Smokies. I personally love little Smokies. Either way, he starts arguing with this leader on the other side of the world. He's got a bowl cut. He's similarly pudgy. He's got sausage fingers too. I don't know what it is with guys with sausage fingers, but it messes their minds up, right? So they start bickering like little children. One day, the guy with the orange hair is just like, you know what? I'm going to fucking do it. I got a small dick. I ain't got nothing to lose. So he gets his thing, and he presses the button, and she goes... the only thing that survives nuclear the war everyone's saying on five one two Two, three three, four five (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you can guess where that's going you know cockroaches get bigger and and the thing about cockroaches that if you've ever lived in a city apartment is you know that you can't kill them (laughs) nope nope i know all about that um in my in my house yeah they're uh you know, they're very resourceful, I'd say, and I, I could appreciate that about them. 
And there's a chance that this, uh, when this bomb gets dropped, that they're gonna survive in your little telling of tales, right? Dude, I, I I know it's like a big joke, but I actually think that's the only thing that makes sense, <laughs> that makes actual sense, is that they must survive, and then they get bigger. And uh, like, and let's listen to how the rest of the story ends. Yeah, right. right, here we go. Oops. But he has to go to his top cockroach scientist because guess what? Nukes don't fucking work on cockroaches. It bounces off them like. A soft ocean breeze. So the president fucking, he's like, okay, I'm going to do it. So he devises a new missile. He talks to his top cockroach scientist. Imagine that, a big human-like cockroach in a fucking lab suit with glasses on. <laughs> so he fucking tells him, he's like, we need a missile that kills cockroaches. So the scientist's like, okay, I got it. It's going to be a missile. And on the end of the missile, instead of a nuke, it's one giant. President, it's a giant. It's a giant. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> classic, 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 classic. Oh my God, I just love that ending. Who is Thanks. your band? Tell us about those great people. And are they the same folks that were at the Tiny Desk? You know it. Yeah, they're my boys. So that's uh, Derek Lynch on guitar, Jordan Moore on um, the keyboard and guitar, Ben Lurch on drums, David Bayes Lopez on bass, and then um, James, Jamesy, James Cavern on um, auxiliary. He plays a guitar, so... Yeah, keto. <laughs> where did you find a keto? By the way, if those who don't know, it's a keyboard that you hold like a guitar, and let's keep going. Whew, and they look awesome. So it's, uh, I think he bought it off eBay or something because mm. we were looking for a, <laughs> we were looking for it like plays samples off the computer and, and does other instruments. So we were just looking for a good little spark, you know? Mm-hmm. The, and I think keytarist is the way to go. <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh, oh my so we haven't really shown off the band in some of these songs like that song i don't know who's playing the keyboard but so. uh me yeah oh, so no, there, there wasn't a lot of yelling but we, didn't, yeah. we haven't really featured the band so we should do that before we go out but why, i want you to pick one cool. more tune tune okay i'm gonna pick, pick one so it's either going to be the connor obert song or, <laughs> it's go, or it's going to be the uh d12 song <laughs> <laughs> okay, hmm. I've never been put in this uh, this no, predicament I'm before. Just, I'm just weighing you, and I'm gonna judge you. <laughs> okay, um, let's see. So D12, I was thinking about if we were gonna do influence about like the first album I've ever owned was. Um, but I think I think we don't really need to listen to that right okay. now. I think it might change the vibe a little too much. Um, so this song, I don't know how it ties in, but I listened to it a lot while I was producing this record i was in la um working on it and i heard this whole album and i really liked it and i think he is the greatest writer of our generation currently recipes like daniel johnson too one of the greatest writers and you know i just think he falls in line with like daniel johnson saul williams bob dylan so i think people should hear this song great let's play connor oberst and the song we'll play is uh barbary coast yeah great There's a dance hall there Where the sick folks go Like the olden days On the Barbary Coast There's a barefoot child Playing in the rain You can sell your wares Even if they're hard in the great bazaar or the parking lot cause it takes a while to 
you know who to blame I might have a taste Cause the first one's free And the checkout girls Got a thing for me And they're both as sweet As the day is long I don't wanna feel stuck, baby I just wanna get drunk before noon We've done a, a great deal with Connor over the years, and he's one of uh, my favorite songwriters also. That was from a, a record called uh, Ruminations from 2016. Have you seen him perform live? I just saw him play a month or two ago in um, New Jersey. It was really cool. It was great to watch. and I, It wasn't Mystic Valley, but I think maybe one or two of them mm-hmm. might have been there. But um, no, it was just him doing, doing solo stuff and wow. played with the band a little bit, and it was really inspiring, like, it's, it's so cool to me, like, those, I feel like every kind of generation has their top songwriter, you know, of that, and uh, it's really inspiring to uh, to watch them sing and hear them. When you uh, perform live, are people shouting words back at you? Because your stuff lends itself to that. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely do. It's been getting crazier lately, too. It's like... Yeah, once they start knowing these songs inside out. Yeah, like, we played a show, we were in the UK, I think a few weeks ago. And we played just one. We did festivals, but we just played one um, headlining show in, like, a little club. And it's crazy. Like, we have a song called Romeo and Juliet where people sing the most. Mm-hmm. It's just getting louder. Like, it's it's every time it just kind of blows my mind to hear. Even the end of the song, the end of the song is kind of like a poem, and people still yell it back, you know. I always, uh, when I go to shows, one of the things I love is when a new band comes along, and it's just at that tipping point, just at that moment where people start to know who they are. Mm-hmm. And I love that moment where the singer or the band on stage realizes that people know their songs. And there's mm-hmm. something, do you remember the first time that happened with you? Yeah, so oh, at least in Sacramento, we uh, we used to play around in sack a lot. We would play like even a few times a week, t- two or three times a week. So we had this little v- video series called Live from Oak Park in Sacramento, and we released it. And before, the, and, and it, it went around Sacramento, not nationally, but mm-hmm. everyone in Sacramento like got really into it. And before that, we could only bring like 20, 30 people to a show, and then we booked the next show, and we bring like 450. And everyone knew the word somehow to these songs. And Romeo and Juliet is the one where, I have a video of it on my on my YouTube channel, but it's that exact moment where you can see in my eyes where I'm like, oh, man, like this is, this, this might actually work out, you know? So, <laughs> I love yeah. that. I love yeah, that so much. I'm going to go watch that because that is one of my favorite moments going to shows. Yeah, the video is called... Um, the most one of the most beautiful moments in my life or something like that it's something cheesy uh i'm gonna do that i'm gonna go out though on ugly kid is there anything you want to say about this nope 
Um, this uh, <laughs> I don't think so. It comes, comes from deep inside, or yeah, you know, growing up, I was uh, you know, kind of an ugly kid. So um, I don't know. I think everyone kind of feels that they're less uh, less than you know they are. So yep, we, about that. we all go through the awkwardness. Yeah, <laughs> one degree or another. Yep. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it very much. Cheers, my friend. Hobo Johnson, the new album, The Fall of Hobo Johnson, is out now. And you can hear full versions of the songs we played on the show online. We have a large archive of guest DJs, including Tom York, the 1975, Courtney Barnett, Brian Eno, Connor Oberst, Joanna Newsom, and so many more. Check out All Songs Guest DJs. I'm Bob Boylan for NPR Music. It's All Songs Considered. Just wanna just quit. I'm an ugly kid, and you're like a summer sunset in Stockholm. I'm like being stuck in fucking Bakersfield and walking home. Baby, you make me feel like the way that you do. You look so pretty, awfully pretty, sitting in your thorns. I still, but I'm an ugly kid. Ugly enough to not want to exist I'm an ugly kid And you're that pitch perfect angel Singing your classic smashing hit Now I'm glad I exist Makeup minds like roses or a lot of time But I will just be sitting here Not close to you or somewhere near Cause if you get too close to a Lovely bird it flies away A bird I should have been glad to see Instead of sad it wants to leave You should be happy Even if it's all without me Support for this podcast and the following message come from the NPR Wine Club, where every bottle tells a story and NPR shows become wines, like Weekend Edition Cabernet Sauvignon. Available to adults 21 years or older. Learn more at nprwineclub.org.